the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. We have three lines open if you want to call in and chime in on our topic or bring something up new. one 367 let us go to line number two and talk with Alberta. If you are there, Alberta. Hi, Hi how are you? Hi, Pastor. I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. to talk to you. Yes, what's um, up? We haven't, we haven't spoken in a couple weeks, but <laughs> anyway, I was listening to the diatribe about the Harriet movie, which I have not had the opportunity to uh, see yet, but uh, God's talked to me before about um, cultures that have the bearing, the, the bearing that he's placed in our hearts for his ministry, and before the beginning of time, he knew that Africans, for the most part, would be placed from the bowels of Ghana and placed up by the Portuguese and ships and shipped out to one of the most prosperous countries in the world, yet we still bear a persecution, and we stand most highly for him in a more prominent group than most of the cultures. And so I deem that through him as an honor to praise him that way, because for him to know before beginning of time, we would have that as a part of what we do for him, that we would, like Harriet, had to go through some things, but yet we stand, as all the people do, we're not the only ones, but we stand as a prominent group that have been persecuted, and yet throughout our our culture, we stand up mostly as a, a Christian group of people, and I say that that esteems him, and is certainly a blessing to be in that category right i would I, I, I would agree with you uh in 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 the in a in a larger christocentric sense i don't ne- necessarily agree with you in terms of the the way history lays out the complications of of the fall of man and sin and slavery and all of that of course god knows that that the omniscient side of of god uh, Alberta is that he knows all of the sufferings of all humanity it doesn't matter what the ethnic group is and you did assert you did assert that other ethnic groups have gone through horrific things and have demonstrated uh, the virtues of the Imago Day too, and, and we definitely need to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, while we are talking about Africans and therefore African Americans, uh, you know, of whom we are uh, a part of that element, we do want to keep in mind that God sees uh, the different ethnic groups who have gone through exactly the same thing. Because when we talk about slavery, we're talking about human. Humanity uh, abusing and oppressing humanity. It doesn't matter whether it's white folks or black folks or Portuguese or Indians or Native Americans. You know that they all have their history, too. And it's worthy of of uh, of, of of some merit. There's just no doubt about it. Um, if we want to talk about the uniqueness of of uh, of Africans, uh, as the scriptures would lay out history historically from Genesis up to the present time, we certainly can. We can certainly see that in the narrative given in Genesis nine from uh, God through Noah of the Hamite nations, which would be inclusive of African Americans, the Cushites. There's no doubt about that. Um, that their lot would be one of uh, extreme suffering. We. Can't can't deny that 
that that that prophetic uh, that prophetic calling that that's so very clear. Um, and then what happens in all of that difficulty is that men and women rise up and demonstrate the power of God to be able to suffer uh, for his namesake uh, in unimaginable ways for the advancement of his glory and for the liberation of his people. There's this. There's there's no doubt there's no doubt about that. And I think that that is what we want to take away from this whole matter of slaves and masters and and black folks being uh, you know uh, so horribly treated by uh, by by um, even their own people. Because you do understand that if it really wasn't for the compromise of some some greedy Africans on the shores of the Congo selling subordinate in their eyes subordinate Africans the uh, the the Europeans would have never ever been able to have prospered in the selling of black people so uh, we still got a lot uh, to actually unravel in terms of uh, in my opinion the, the culprits I was in I was in I was up at UT UC, uh, theological graduate theological graduate library a couple years ago where they have a lot of books on church history and a lot of books on history as well and I remember sitting by a young man who is who was aspiring to be a theologian and we were talking about uh, slavery and, and one of the things he said to me is you know pastor I'm very uh, very aware very much aware of the the, the plight that the Africans have had uh, in terms of slavery, and and he he was actually Alberta, whether you know it or not, very much miffed that the Bible would prophesy these things. But his concern was with the uh, with the Africans who were complicit in selling their own African brothers and sisters. And I, I understood that. I got that because you don't really get that in the narrative. And one of the things I try to be careful about when I'm talking about African American and African slavery. What I try to do is be fair about the historical facts because we can actually kind of miss salient elements that play a role in how that all fell out. That God is omniscient and sees it all is, is you know, that can be of comfort if we understand that even though he sees it, he does not approve of the selling of human beings. He does not approve of of men selling women. He does not approve of misogyny. He does not approve of black folks selling black folks. He doesn't approve of uh, the Portuguese and the Spaniards and the uh, Europeans selling black folks. He doesn't approve of any of it. So even though he sees it, the moral ethical qualities of God still mandate that what he sees, he hates and abhors, although he has determined in his own inscrutable, inscrutable judgment to use it to show his glory in the lives of his creatures. So that's where I am on it. Um, and I do appreciate your contribution. You doing all right? I'm doing all right. I'm, I just was thinking about that in the context of Harriet. And having visited Ghana and some of the slave capitals, capitals back there, that's one of the first things they share with you, is there would be no slavery if our brothers and sisters hadn't began this. A, a dialogue and the bartering with our people. That's right. how it began. Exactly. And there that, was no way they would have been intruded right. into our community. But I only said that to say 
that in giving all of that, to your point, yes, it was not uh, something that God ordained to be correct. However, during the endurance of that, certainly to your point again, he was honored and given glory by the fact that we continued as all of the cultures that had to endure it. And he said that you, if, you, if you serve me, you're going to be exactly. executed as I was. Exactly. But, so those things were just typical of the strength that he's given us to go through it. And I was actually relating that to what Harriet went through in, her, in that movie. And I hope that... that well, no, I got that. And I hope that you see it, too, because what was really nice about the movie, quite frankly, uh, Alberta, was that the artistic element of it made it that we weren't uh, deeply into the horror of slavery as we actually know it, but the uh, redemptive component from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie uh, serves to justify your point. The redemptive component shines through those black people who collaborated together for the freedom that they rightfully had that was theirs. that And that is what that movie uh, is worthy of all of us setting our eyes on it and watching it. The collaboration of black people together. Because see, a lot of us are free, but not. Because we, we are trapped by other intangible bondages that don't allow us to even begin to approach the kind of collaboration that you even see in that movie um which is a gospel issue and that's what you're stating the uh, the african uh in that plight has had the privilege of actually pointing to the redemptive uh virtues of jesus christ who himself had to bear uh you know un- unheard of rejection and punishment and 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 destruction uh while at the same time bearing our sins and and uh, that's what it's designed to do suffering is designed to lead us to a god who says without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin but we have one who has shed his blood by which if we believe on him, we can be delivered from the consequences of our sin. And that is a beautiful message. Look, I got to take a break. Thank you for the call. I'm glad you called, girl. Glad you called. Think about you frequently. I got to take a break. I've got three lines open. You can call one 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 631. Let's see here. Three lines open. If you want to call and be part of our conversation, you may. one 367 5329 to reach yours truly on this Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 5329 We will change conversations now and engage in something that I consider good news. We're going to be having our... Um, our Daughters of Grace final year-end Christmas celebration is coming Saturday. And uh, we want to invite all of you ladies out to join us. If you aren't doing anything this Saturday at uh, 10 a.m. in the morning till about noon, of which we will have a Christmas feast after a time of uh, praise and worship and uh, and proclamation. If you aren't doing anything and if you are and it's not all that important, change your plans and come and join us in, in order to have this conversation um, I will be talking with my dear sister Deborah on line number one. Um, as soon as I can get my guy to plug me in, line number one. Hi, Deb. How are you? I'm great. How are you this evening, Pastor? I'm good. I'm good. I, I got a chance to talk to two of my beloved sisters. I, I don't know if you remember Al, Alberta Caldwell, uh, Nick Nicholas Caldwell's wife. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Did you Did you recognize her voice? 
I didn't recognize her voice, okay. but, but she is on my prayer list. Yeah. And uh, I was I was happy to know now that that is who you were speaking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your radio down? Yes. Okay, good, because I, I, I hate hearing myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's up? Talk to me. We got a little time. Well, as you said, as you said, you know, the Daughters of Grace Ministry will be hosting our annual Christmas celebration on this Saturday, mm-hmm. December the 14th at 10. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really hard to believe that yet another year uh, has come and gone, and God's been so good to the Daughters of Grace ministry. I agree. I agree. Time flies, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. But we've been having some wonderful conferences Mm -hmm. and some very in-depthful topics. And I, I know that I know that I know that many sisters have been blessed by the messages. And, um, we all realize we have work to do. Right. Right. Yes. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, at our September conference, we presented a topic entitled Perfect Love Cast Out Fear, and and I just thought that that was absolutely awesome, uh, leading us out of our fears and into God's fullness. And the subject was uh, um, overcoming self-deficiencies by the love of God, and that that was truly embraced by by the audience, so much so that um, the conference in November uh, was a part two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was entitled From Promise to Practice, where the focus was on the power of God's love in us mm-hmm. and the practice of God's love through us. Right. And I understand that this topic, the Father's love for his daughters, will be presented by none other than you. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that you're interested in stirring hearts and minds in preparation uh, for the New Year's journey, Pastor. So I just wanted to ask you, what, what are some of the nuggets that we can expect right. uh, from your presentation? <clears throat> well, I agree with you. Uh, you know, at least for this year, I did have a chance to kind of be in the backdrop of several of the <clears throat> daughter of grace daughters of grace presentations and so there was a kind of coherent theme running through the last three or four topics and they were all centered around the love of god which is you know that that is the epitome of our relationship with god uh and and how important that love is in terms of its impact in our life And then our response to that love, as you have already stated, and, you know, because you guys gave me the assignment to close out the year and it's, yeah, you know, I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored. And and then I do have time, you know, because sometimes I'm not even around, but this time I definitely am. And I I thought about what am I going to do? I really did want to get together with you, with the, with the board, with the uh, DLG board and, and really hear, uh, I really wanted to hear what, uh, what, what came out of the last meeting, because I only saw it. I saw how many women came out from the different churches, how many new ladies were there, young women and old women as well, uh, old old sisters as well. And I enjoyed serving as me and the guys do, as you know. And uh, yes. but but I yes. didn't I didn't uh, 
I didn't get I didn't get any particular feedback because what I like to do in these kind of settings and whenever I go places to do ministry in the lives of of a body of believers is I like to know what is the heartbeat of their concern or their needs, et cetera, to to uh, to address it. So I had to wait on God because I didn't get the feedback uh, that I really wanted from from uh, from the core group. Uh, and I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about it uh, on Wednesday if we meet. That didn't get confirmed yet. But when I when I did send to you guys my final thoughts and the title was the father's love for his daughters. It really was a kind of epiphany that came to me from first John two fifteen and 16 that as I began to look at the statement there. Uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it is not of the Father, it is of the world. Whosoever therefore uh, loves the world does not have the love of the Father in him. And I was trying to think about what John was saying. And what I heard was the love of the Father as being such an exclusive love that Mm. it requires us as the people of God and particularly the daughters of God to pay attention to what that love really is. So in, in uh, addition to uh, augmenting all that was developed in the previous months, what you guys are going to hear from me is an explanation of the nature of the father's love towards his daughters. What I'm what I'm going to do as God gave it to me, Deb, is talk about the nature of a father's love to his daughters from a divine perspective. And I think the Lord really has given me some 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 rich insights to mm. to share with us Um because things echo in my in my head, Deb, like what echoes in my head is that uh, for women of God and daughters of God, and you will it quickly affirm this, love is a very uh, uh, difficult concept to get our minds around emotionally, psychologically, and therefore uh, 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 practically relative to what does that look like? How, how does it impact me? How does it define me? What, what am I supposed to do with that kind of love? You know, we talked about this, right? You and I about the difficulty of, of women being able to grasp God's love because of all of the things that women have gone through, right? Right. And so right. what I, what I'm talking about now is the father's love and the paradigm is a father and a daughter. And in this context, I'm talking about the healthiest father daughter relationship that exists in the universe. So my goal will be to help my sisters see something about the father's love that you guys haven't ever seen before. And wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is what God is giving me. Not only, you know, as him being our father, but me being a father as well. And thinking through 
So, yeah, thinking through what is a father's love for his daughters. And I'm telling you, I mean, for me, this is, uh, you know, profound because I'm now wrapped up in the analogy of that as a father. Right. You, you, you follow right. where I'm going. I'm, I'm wrapped up in that as a father and there. But also as a child of God, because, you know, he's my daddy, too. So I, right. I, I have to I have to understand God's fatherly love to me in all of his uniqueness and exclusivity and in its its benefits to me. Three words that I'm going to deal with. I'm going to be dealing with the word radical. I'm going to be dealing mm. with the word relentless. And then I'm going to be dealing with the word redemption. That mm. that God the Father has a love for us that's radical, that's relentless, and it's redemptive. And I want to talk about how that is to be understood by us and particularly by his daughters, because I really do want my sisters to be able to trust God at the level of responding to that love. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that I'm hoping that I'll be able to just be a mouthpiece for God to help my sisters along those lines. What that do you is, think about that? That is my prayer. That is my prayer. How do you how do you go? How do you? How do you help a sister who is bound in that area get that concept from head to heart? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I'm th- these are the questions that I w- I'm hoping. So for me, what I'm hoping that I'll be able to do, I'm hoping that I'll be able to preach to you guys a highly exhortational message that will stir the heart, as you already know, and incline every woman that's listening to lean into what I'm saying with their uh, hearts open and their hands up so that we can do some Q&A right after the exhortation. So I'm hoping to rip open hearts and, and make us vulnerable to the realities of our father's love at the at the level of which I'm defining it as radical, relentless and redemptive so that we mm. can deal with those questions. Because that's see, the thing that you're saying is you're intuitive because you're a woman. You, you know, you know, you know that the issue is getting our heads, hearts, and feet around what God has done for us in Christ. And I know it's going to require both, uh, you know, a, a deep and profound, but, but, but joyful revelation of scripture. And then the dialogue, we have to talk. I want to talk as we close out the, uh, the, the Christmas season, I want to talk and make sure that the ladies take away from our event, the tools and these tools for me, Deb, are not the how-tos, because y'all have done that. Y'all have, you know, we y'all have given the how-tos. Okay, is that yeah. those are there? Yeah. But I'll yeah. tell you what: I, the tools that I want our sisters to take away from uh, from our class are the tools that have to do with commitment and devotion to God. The tools of the heart. The tools of the soul. In um, in a an exceptional, exclusive commitment to God. What I want to be able to affect by our dialogue is a recommitment level to yeah. un- to understand the Father at a deeper level than you have 
before. That's what I want to affect. A recommitment uh, level. That's what I want to affect. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds exciting and 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 I and I pray as you do that the takeaway will be just exactly what your intentions are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful because, like you had stated, we've had such a good time uh, with our yeah. sisters and our visitors. And the need is still, as Jesus said, our master said, the fields are white, the harvest, the laborers are few. Uh, but with God, all things are possible. I know you know that. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, so I'm looking for a time where we can be profoundly worshipful at the opening. So I'm, I'm just, I got some, I got some music stuff I'd love to see happen and then, uh, vulnerable to the preaching and then authentic in the Q and a, I'm just, that's my yeah. prayer. That's my prayer. Yeah. 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 When we opened up the topic in September, Perfect Love Cast Out Fear, was very interesting in terms of the feedback that we received Mm -hmm. from our breakout sessions, Mm -hmm. um, that many sisters did not even know about this perfect love and couldn't grasp the concept. Right. Right. And that's what I want to... And those were just the ones who were transparent enough to say so. I'd be willing to suggest that most of the people in the, most of the sisters in the audience had a, had a, a struggle grasping the concept. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and what's inferred by our text, uh, where John is saying, beloved sisters, don't devote yourself to this world because it's lying to you. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's 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 selling you a bogus uh, promise. It it can't it can't it can't it can't actually fulfill its promise. It won't it won't do what Daddy did for you. See, this is where I'm going oh, with it. It won't do absolutely. it won't do what Daddy did for you. And and whenever our sisters are inclined to want to uh, redirect their devotion and commitment to anything other than Daddy then we know the problem is that they haven't seen or tasted or comprehended really this thing called the radical, relentless, redemptive love of the father to his daughter. And and that's what I'm hoping to be able to affect a recommitment to the only one that can actually fill you up, fulfill you and bring about the expression of his perfect love in our life. That's that's what I want us to experience. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. And in closing for me, Pastor, I just wanted to add that again this year, Mm -hmm. the Daughters of Grace Ministry is partnering with the Alameda County Food Bank. Right. And so we're asking our guests who come out on Saturday if they'd like to donate some non-perishable food items, that there will be barrels available to do that. Absolutely. I'll talk about it. I'm going to take a break here and I'll talk about it after the break as I get my last couple of calls. Thank you, sis. I look forward to seeing you this Saturday. And you as well. All right. Bless you. I got to take a break, y'all. Pay some bills and we'll come back and try to get the last couple of calls and I'll revisit what we're talking about right now. You want to be there, ladies. You really do. If you are hurting, if you are not clear on the father's love, you you definitely want to be there. If you're trapped by first John two, 15 and 16. You want to be there. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back to time 652. I can make a couple of 
couple of calls. Let me go to line number two and talk with Kenya in Oakland. Kenya, are you there? Line number two. Kenya, are you there? Hi. What's going on? Yes, I am. Hello. Um, How are you? I'm great. What's going on? Um, Last Monday, after you mentioned the... um the movie i went out and saw it mm-hmm. um since then i've discussed it with um a reverend friend of mine and um he brought up a good point about how a pivotal um character in the movie was the i don't know if it was a reverend a, a pastor yeah. the, that character that yeah. um they had it was like very evident that there was mistrust towards him they were like oh let's not go to him he always preaches like obey the master but then she was like, do you trust me? Like, I trust him. It was just kind of like, it was it was a standout point that there was mistrust with amongst the church and their leader um, at the time. Right. But overall, how important he was um, once trusted in getting them to where they needed to be, to the, getting the names that they needed um, for where they were going. Um, and uh, what was also pointed out was how, how much the church leaders throughout civil rights were leaders. Um, throughout just the history of African American like strife here has been church leaders and their influence. And um, I guess like my question is, how is um, the church still play that role, and how is it falling short of its role? Or mm-hmm. you know, does that make sense? Yeah, you very much so. Very much so. First of all, I appreciate you and um, your friend being able to make that observation. That's what I talked about in the opening of my monologue is that the uh, black African pastor that was at the beginning of the movie actually played a pivotal role in his he was operating out of two offices. One was explicitly affirming the biblical precept, which people misinterpret as justification for slavery. He was obeying the word of God <clears throat> in two levels. He wasn't promoting rebellion and war by just saying, let's kill our slave masters and run. He was obeying the word of God because the word of God told us, uh, you know, slaves obey your masters. If you can be free, first Corinthians seven thirty one, then become free. So what he was doing was helping the slaves in a process that liberated them with the least liability. It was a great strategy on his part. And what would have been needed for the black people who didn't trust him to do was to actually, Kenya, understand the word of God more thoroughly. Uh, I don't have time to fully develop it, but that's a problem today in our churches where a lot of African-Americans uh, poo-poo the Bible because it ex- it appears to say to just simply submit to slavery. But there is a context behind that, and there is an objective behind why the Spirit of God moved the New Testament writers to say slavery is not right, but the way to deal with it is not by just creating uh, wholesale chaos and civil war. There's a strategy for liberation that we have to follow. And I'm so absolutely glad that um, that you were able to to see that nuance. The same thing is true today. We really do still have a lot of extremely important civil rights uh, people working for the freedoms of all people today because this matter is of civil of uh, social justice and civil rights is 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 much more way more than about blacks and whites. I would never as pastor reduce this issue to a black and white thing for so many reasons. I would not do it. It's that's a fictitious dichotomy that does not work on a ton of levels for me. This has to be about the Imago Day, the image of God. 
about redemption and salvation, about liberation in the soul, about freedom in Christ. And therefore, at all levels, freedom socially, freedom economically, freedom physically, freedom spiritually, freedom sociologically, psychologically, emotionally. This is the role of the gospel in our lives when the power of God can actually be implemented by uh, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge in the right ways. So that, for me, that is the way that I advocate it because that's my gifting. I'm not gifted to be in the political sphere or in some of the different social contexts where the struggles are going on and they're being done. So in terms of people coming short, they were coming short back then and we're coming short now, but we have to be careful not to be distracted by the shortcomings, but be committed to the advancement of the cause through the wisdom of the gospel and through the humility of service. And we will all see black and white and Latino and Asian and Filipino and Indian. Like, you know, Kenya, we have in our church that level of diversity. We will all see that freedom as we continue to make Christ supremely uh, central in our lives and not 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 get not get uh, swayed towards uh, extremes and distracted by sideline issues. Listen, thank you for the call. I'm up against the closing of the program. And in that, I want to say this. I want to say to all of the churches out there listening to me, you know, a lot of y'all listen. Y'all go to different churches. For you sisters, if you guys aren't doing anything, y'all, please come on out to Grace this Saturday and join me and Deborah and all kind of women who um young and old, children from 10-year-old girls to uh, 70, 80-year-old sisters and even older, uh, gathering together, collaborating under the word of God. I, I believe I have a, a message for you in your community, in your church, among your people that is specifically targeting women and sisters and daughters of grace where you want to learn about and affirm once again this radical love of God the Father, his relentless pursuit of you in all of its redemptive value, um, the basis upon which you are defined and determined to be with him for all eternity. So if you can make it out this Saturday, come on. Come on, join us 10 a.m. Saturday morning at Grace Bible Church. Good food, good fellowship, hopefully great preaching and uh, and uh, successful dialogue. Until then, we're going to be wrapping up this uh, this Monday edition of Lifeline. I really do enjoy it. Sorry. Uh, let's see here. Say I can catch you next time. Uh, you can give me a call on Monday, but we are going to we are going to wrap it up around around this time. Uh, what I will say is that. You and I are, are privileged. We're privileged to be uh, believers in Christ. We're privileged to be free to study God's word. We're privileged to be free to have this kind of open farm that we're doing. What we're doing right now is a real blessing and a real benefit because we can gather together unaccosted, unmolested uh, in all of the meaning of that and be able to talk about the things that make for our development and growth in Christ. God is radically committed to his sons because of his son. And he is radically committed to his daughters because of his son. So let's let's talk about that this Saturday. In the meanwhile, keep your eyes on him who is altogether lovely. And one day you'll look just like him in Jesus name. Amen.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Thank you.